Thank you for proclaiming that good word, choir, as we have our hearts now readied for the gospel reading for today from Matthew chapter 7, starting in the 21st verse. I invite you to stand as you're able for the reading. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the rivers rose and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who will build his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded the house, And it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority, not like their scribes. The gospel of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever asked like this psalmist does, like David does here in Psalm 6, how long? I know in raising our kids at different seasons, we have asked that question, will we make it through this long night with a baby that won't go to sleep? And now with our kids being at different ages, we have a little different perspective from as they go from 7 to 17. But maybe you still are that young mom with your kids up at night wondering how long. Or maybe you're a parent of teenagers and you're walking alongside them in challenging, jam-packed years and you ask, as you wade through all of that, how long? Or maybe... You don't have kids at all, but you're longing for one and you're waiting for a baby and you're asking, how long, O Lord, do I need to wait? Or maybe you're just looking for that relationship, hoping for her to notice you or for him to notice you. And you're asking, how long? Or maybe the piles at work are so tall You wonder if you'll ever get through them. And just as you do, another pile shows up and you ask, how long? Maybe even pray like the psalmist, how long, O Lord? Or maybe you can't wait for retirement. It can't get here soon enough and you're asking, how long? Or maybe you're in retirement and it's not like you thought it would be. Maybe you're facing illness or a grandchild is suffering and you're asking, how long? Long, O Lord. It's like being on that road trip 
we both ask the same question, whether you've got miles ahead of you and you're the driver and you're weary and you know you need to stay awake or you're in the back seat and you're bored, two different perspectives, control or no control, front seat or back seat, you still ask that same question, how long? Maybe you're just slyly looking at your watch or phone right now and wondering how long this sermon will go. <laughs> we ask this question all the time. Many of us have prayed like David, how long, O Lord? As he writes, my soul is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? One of the reasons... I'm a Christian, a follower of Jesus, is because the Word of God, indeed Christ Himself, this Christian worldview that we look at this world through, deals with the reality of the world as it really is, not with rose-colored glasses. It deals with humanity as it really is. I mean, when you look at the scope and sequence of human history, you sometimes wonder. Some things get better. Some things still seem so terrible. Why isn't it getting better? How can we experience real joy in this real world? Sometimes our souls are indeed truly troubled. And so we ask, how long? The perspective of someone who's gone before us helps, but it doesn't always take away the struggle of the moment. And so Jesus deals with us and He deals with this world as it really is. He deals with our circumstances as they really are. Not just as they should be. And He paints a different picture for us as he writes in another psalm, as God writes in another psalm in Psalm 30, that he turns our mourning into dancing. Some of you might be thinking, yes, let's get to those happy stories. Others are like, you don't know the load I carry. Don't say something quite so trite until you've been where I've been. You question maybe whether it's possible, but it's not a trite promise that Jesus gives us. He comes and enters in with us in the places that we live. Unfortunately, some of those places that we live, as good as they are, are places that we try to get filled up, try to seek meaning in. And whether they're relationships or our work or family, or pleasure, or passions, recreation, or volunteerism, or even our philanthropy, are all places, some of them many good, but they are insufficient. Oh, they satisfied for a while. They're like that big, you ever see those oversized jugs of Gatorade? You know, it's so heavy you have to have a handle with it, those gallon jugs. You feel like, okay, I'm ready to, quench my thirst and handle any desert until you realize it's not that you're going through this desert for a few hours, but more like a few days and a few weeks and maybe even more. And all of a sudden that big Gatorade has 
thirst quenching as it first seemed, as sweet as it tasted, now seems like it's not enough. And that's how it is with all these good things. Anyone who's tried to find their fulfillment in just family or spouse or just work or just success knows as good as that tastes, it is insufficient to sustain us for the long road ahead. So where do we go? Well, let's go where Jesus went. And that's what I'm going to invite us to do this week and next, to go where Jesus went. He went to the Psalms. And so this week we'll read the Psalms with Jesus as He quotes part of Psalm 6 here in Matthew 7. And then next week we'll go to Psalm 22 and pray the Psalm that Jesus prayed. And as we go with Jesus and go where, we, where He went, We'll discover in the Psalms, in the reading of the Psalms with Jesus, that He does more than just worship with us. He fills them up. Now whether you've spent a lifetime of following Jesus, or you're just sipping your toe in the water here today and discovering if Jesus can answer prayers like, How long, O Lord? If God is real... And doesn't it make sense to go where this Jesus who we see in history did in fact transform the world, go where He went, go to the Psalms? And in fact, this question, it does get answered. It doesn't get answered quite the way we always think it should, but it gets answered. And as that prayer comes off the psalmist's lift, lips as David prays it in Psalm 6. He pours out his heart. I like how the Reverend Dr. Timothy and his wife Kathy Keller in their devotion wrote on the Psalms writing from New York City. They wrote, How long, O Lord, how long is the cry of someone who's walked with more pain and sickness than he thought or she thought could ever bear. And God hears the prayers of the faltering because of His unfailing love. And they go on to write that that unfailing love is God's chesed, God's covenant, God's promise. His steadfast agreement to be with us. And though David they write, could scarcely have the heart to pray. His tears were not in vain because even as he prayed it, verses 9 and 10 followed in that psalm and you can read it again on your own and you discover that his answer came. His circumstances didn't change, but as he prays it, he knew that the Lord had come near. This longing gets answered in Christ. And Jesus quotes this psalm twice in the New Testament that I found at least twice in Luke chapter 13 and then here again in Matthew 7. And the verse that He quotes from and takes us to is an interesting one because it is in both places that He quotes it a rebuke. 
Luke 13, it's a rebuke of the Jewish leaders who are refusing to receive him. And here in Matthew 7, it's a rebuke of those who call themselves followers of Jesus. Jesus tells us to do the will of the Father here in Matthew 7. And so what do they do? They say, well, these are the things that we've done. They give their list. And his rebuke is kind of alarming. We discover that sometimes we do all the right things and yet we go away unsatisfied. Like we do when we try to seek meaning in all of those good places that we've already talked about. It's like that Gatorade is running out. What I've heard in a new way in this text this week as I've studied it is that we are often trying to lead our way there with the things that we do when we need to be led there by that which God has done. Many of us have begun to realize that to prove to our teachers, our employers, our parents that we're good enough, to our spouse, to our employer, what it provides, it does provide some good, right? But it never quite is sufficient to fully answer that question. The longings of our hearts. We always fall short. That's why Psalm 6 is a psalm of repentance. It's David laying his heart out before God. When we don't do that, then Jesus says this as He does in in Matthew 7, quoting the psalm, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Were those good deeds lawless? No, it was that they were trying to save themselves from the law. They weren't doing the will of the Father because they weren't giving their heart to the Father. Jesus is rebuking them and saying, I never knew you, using a Hebrew idiom that's talking about a relationship knowing to to know the Father, to know God, not just to have head knowledge, but to be in relationship. And He's telling them that they are out of relationship and they can't get into relationship by doing this list. So then, here it is, what I mean by the Word of God Correlating with the world as it really is. There are many things better today than they were a thousand years ago. And yet, our technology, our education, our effort haven't overcome our corruption. Our families are still broken. Our human effort is insufficient to solve the human problem. Our good works don't deal with our sin. They're about as good of dealing with our sin as those sandcastles that you used to make as a kid when your family went on a trip to the beach and you'd build up those walls to try to protect your castle as the tide came in. And guess what? No matter how great of sandcastle you built, the tide always wins. That's what it's like when we try to save ourselves with our lists, our works. So you don't enter the kingdom by showing your list of good deeds. You enter, as Psalm 6 teaches us, as David repents, we enter 
by giving our heart to God, by repenting and saying, I've been going the wrong way. I've been filling up the wrong silos. I need to come to You. We come weeping. And the good news is, as one commentator put it, weeping, weeping. God has an ear for those who weep. God hears your heart cry. So what do we do? Because Jesus tells us to do something here in Matthew 7. And what is it that we do? We repent. We give our heart to God. And then, as we repent, we realize, as D.A. Carson put, the implicit Christology, that's what he means by uh, that Jesus is in the midst. He's saying that this Christological psalm, this, this psalm that points to the Messiah because it's a psalm of David, is being filled up now by Jesus. And he's telling us the suffering servant and the messianic king are coming together and because of his suffering, his lordship will now reign. We bring it to him. And so in reading the Psalms, we discover who Jesus is, the the messianic savior who comes to redeem us, who can deal with it. And we discover who we really are, Oh yeah, we want to lead. We want to lead with what we've done. But let's remember to be led by what God has done and who He is. And when He does that, then we come into the knowledge, into relationship with Jesus. Then we can build our house not on sand, things that won't ever be sufficient, but on the rock that is Christ. In Psalm 37.4, it reads, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. It's not that you get everything you want exactly, except that what you want changes as you delight yourself in the Lord. You see, Augustine would put it this way. He said, You are what you love. Not pizza or chocolate or even relationship. Not just stuff, but what you put your hope in. Where you go to get meaning. Those are the things that you truly love. And God is inviting us to put our hope in Him. And when we put our hope in Him and delight ourselves in Him, then what we want gets transformed. Our hearts get transformed. And so then we can take that love of Jesus, that confession, that heart, and that good news into all these other places. And with Christ, they can be made new and filled up. And so in our relationships that we seek after, because God designed us for relationships, in light of Jesus' firm foundation, then instead of coming to be served, we become servants in our vocations, in our daily work, a lot of trying to prove ourselves, we become a witness for Christ in our good work. In our families, in light of Jesus' firm foundation, patience and forgiveness reign because we know we've been forgiven. Even in trying to live out a virtuous life, We're inspired to follow God's Word and stay true to it, not because we're trying to get something, because we've been given something, this gift of grace. 
This is the promise that God has given us. And like David in Psalm 6, who Jesus quotes, even in the midst of bringing Jesus to all these places, you might still be like that mom struggling in the middle of the night with a crying baby that you're trying to comfort. And you wonder, how long, O Lord? Maybe life still feels like that. But on this firm foundation, even if your circumstance hasn't changed, you will get the perspective of a wise grandmother who knows you can endure. So your hope is not found in this moment or in this circumstance. It's in the one, as David puts it, the one who answers your plea. So bring your how long, O Lord, questions to Jesus. Bring them to the Psalms. Come weeping. Come confessing. Let Jesus turn that mourning into dancing, into joy. Even, even if and even before your circumstance doesn't change. The wise person who puts Jesus' words into action leads with humility. Coming under Christ, we can withstand any storm. As Jesus says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Let's do that, people of God, together. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.